Hello there, everyone. Welcome to the TSG Podcast. Just a huge disclaimer before we begin that all content produced on this channel is for education and entertainment purposes only. Enjoy the episode. All right. So, Sean, this is our first podcast episode. How do you feel? (laughs) Uh, I feel... (laughs) I feel uh, ready to podcast. Let's do the podcast. So, uh, first of all, we gotta we gotta think of a name for this podcast. Uh, we we had Aji Talk, we had uh, Surrounding Game, we had Investment stuff. I'm I, I'm cut. I was I, I think I'm partial to the Surrounding Game of all the yeah. ones we talked about. Okay, so let's do let's call this the Surrounding Game podcast. I mean. And so I guess we're, we're going to just have to introduce ourselves to our uh, first couple listeners here. So, Sean, do you want to do it or do you want me to start? Um, I can introduce myself. My cool. name is Sean. Um, I don't know how many things to say about myself. Um, <laughs> I, like, uh, I play guitar and bass. Uh, I enjoy the game of Go. Uh, I'm sort of an economics and business geek. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> And I'm a geek to some extent. I'm an IT guy. And you're an IT guy. Awesome, awesome. So I guess uh, I'm going to introduce myself. My name's Tin. Uh, I am not a economics or business major. Uh, I, I I'm actually a bio major, bio professor actually. Uh, but I had a huge interest in business and economics because I had no clue what it was, and I got very very curious about it. So I also play Go. And that's how you and I, Sean, uh, we've met. So it's through Go. So we're 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 pretty much going to start talking about things that we're interested in in this podcast related to economics, business, the game of Go, and how it all ties in together. And so I we've had a lot of great discussion in the past couple of weeks, and I think it would be really cool to just have it on a podcast. We are also investors as well, you, you and I, Sean, and so we kind of want to know where we should put a lot of our hard-earned money and see you know what prospects there are around the globe right Mm -hmm. so at least in terms of business and you know let's segue a little bit into business are there any companies right now that you're finding that that or or any news in different companies that you're finding right now uh that kind of intrigue you um well, I was in certainly I was certainly intrigued by something that happened yesterday that everyone was talking about, which was uh, Elon Musk put into a bid to buy <laughs> Twitter. Yeah, um, I think Twitter's stock was somewhere between forty eight and forty five dollars a share. And he mm-hmm. offered fifty four twenty. Yeah, and I was debating with a friend of mine because he was he was saying that I guess there was a narrative that he was seeing that this was a lowball offer. And I thought it can't, I, I wouldn't call it a lowball offer if it was mm-hmm. well above market, but you know, you could call it subjectively lowball if you think Twitter is worth way more than that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, I personally don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> think all that highly of Twitter as a, Twitter's future in business I guess that's just me but I feel Mm -hmm. like they 
you know, they're <clears throat> the king of that type of social media. But it's like, I view social media can be a game of king of the hill where you can get pushed off the hill. Mm-hmm. And I think Twitter, Twitter is literally just people saying things on the internet. Mm-hmm. And if I, I believe there will be other interoperable ways for people to say things on the internet and follow each other and have an algorithm. In fact, the founder of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, uh, started uh, a an initiative inside Twitter called Blue Sky. And the idea was to build a future version of Twitter that uh, would be decentralized and it would essentially cannibalize Twitter's business, but that's a good strategy often in these uh, tech companies is that things are moving so fast mm-hmm. that you can stay ahead by cannibalizing yourself and making the next version of the thing that would crush you instead of being crushed by something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Twitter's board disagreed with that. And so Jack Dorsey stepped down as the CEO and Blue Sky was taken out of Twitter Mm. and it's now a a separate initiative outside of Twitter. Mm. Um, And so I think there was a good, a good chance that initiative could uh, ultimately defeat Twitter or something like it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do kind of wonder if the people running Twitter have a certain amount of hubris because they've seen competitors you know, try to beat them and just fall flat. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe they assume because they're at the top and they have a network effect that they'll stay on top. But I don't think that's the case. I think as we've seen with social media things in the past, like MySpace and Friendster, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can just kind of suddenly collapse like a sandcastle and, mm-hmm. and everyone just rushes to the other thing. The new thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, I, I, I kind of see that, but what I'm not understanding is why did the stock price? And, and correct me if I'm wrong. At least I, I don't pay attention to Twitter too much, but I, I saw that the stock price went down for Twitter. Is is that correct to say, or am I totally wrong about that? Um, I think that is correct. Okay. So um, why, why why would if that's correct? And you know what? Let me just take a look at Twitter. I'm going to look at Twitter right now because yeah. I don't follow Twitter. And I don't know what's going on, um, but within the last day, let's see, the last week, uh, on on March 14th, which was a, a day ago, it was at max, was it, looks like $47, $48 a share, and now and it went down was... to 45 right? Yeah, I think okay. that peak was around the time when it was uh, announced. Yeah. So... Now, if you if you zoom out longer, you'll see that it has had much wider swings. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely not the more impactful. I mean, just recently it jumped up uh, from about like a month 40, ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you know, about six months or so ago, it was mm-hmm. you know much higher, like twenty dollars higher. Yeah. Um, so why the stock went down? I'm not sure. I okay. So one possibility is there's this whole question about um, politics and and censorship mm-hmm. and um, uh, there was a VC named David Sachs who tweeted something like you know 
either Elon can buy Twitter or he can't. If he if if they refuse, then that's basically a signal that the system is is deeply corrupt, you know? Cuz I think the reasoning there is he offered them a higher value. Mm-hmm. And if they don't take it, it's because they want to maintain their ability to censor the political discourse on Twitter. You know. Wait, but hold on, hold on. I'm just gonna play. I'm gonna I'm gonna interject really quick because okay. if if you were an owner of a business and you're selling your business, right, mm-hmm. and you got multiple offers on the table, don't you have a say on who you want to sell it to? In essence. Because you know, I, if I recall, there was a there was a story way back when when uh, I I forgot who the who the person was, but she she owned a furniture store and she was selling it to Warren Buffett, right? Mm-hmm. And there was another party that offered a lot more money than Warren Buffett did, but she still chose Warren Buffett to sell a, a good portion of her shares too. So wouldn't that be the same in this case? It's just like, hey, you know, Elon, yeah, you're offering a lot, but there's another buyer that we feel more comfortable with. Couldn't we do that same thing? Or is that not the case for Twitter? Well, so it's it's um, it was an unsolicited bid. And I don't know if there is another buyer. So okay. it's essentially they're making the choice between keeping it the way it is okay. as a public company okay, uh, or Elon wants to take it private. Hmm. so but i think what you're getting at is correct that um you know if they choose not to sell to elon i personally don't would not automatically assume aha it's because there are these uh censorious um you know anti-free speech people that Mm -hmm. that have this political motive Mm -hmm. um i mean i think that is definitely in play but i think also if you like uh, one of the points my friend was making yesterday that I was kind of arguing with, but he was uh, he was right about the idea that, you know, if you own Twitter stock and if you're sitting on the board of Twitter, you probably have a pretty positive view of how things could turn out. Right. Mm-hmm. You probably think, you know, if we play our cards right, this company could double in value, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're offering me, something like 20% more, Mm -hmm. maybe I don't want to take it because maybe I think if I stick with this for a while, a a year or two, I could get a hundred percent more, you know, but now, now if, if it was really financial, like what we're theorizing right now, then wouldn't having Elon on your board, just make it that much better. I mean, look at Tesla, Tesla went at least the time, you know, back in 2013, 2004, Tesla was like a couple hundred dollars. And now look at it, it's like 900, it, 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 it shot up by 10, a factor of 10. So wouldn't having Elon on your board just massively grow the stock like crazy to grow the business just because of the influence and the impact Elon has? Yeah, I think I think this is part of why uh, people think that this is some sort of uh, political conspiracy. Because mm. here's like how it went down: is you know Elon, <clears throat> he criticizes Twitter for for censoring people, you know, for doing things like kicking Trump off Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- the first thing he did was he purchased 
a, a bunch of shares. He purchased like 9.2% of Twitter's shares. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, the deal that he thought he was making or the deal that was announced, I'm not sure exactly how this part went down, but essentially he thought he was going to get a board seat mm-hmm. by purchasing that 9.2 or 9 something percent of the shares. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it turned out that he either was not going to get the board seat or that they were going to somehow like limit him in his role that basically they did not want him coming onto the board and making all this noise probably about censorship Mm. um so i think i think they blocked his board seat and that is when he made an unsolicited bid to buy the whole thing because he essentially he originally wanted just a board seat so that he could um argue for going a certain direction Mm. and like you were saying I, you know, why, why would they reject Elon having a board seat? I find it, uh, you know, the, the, the idea that they're politically motivated Mm -hmm. and makes some sense, but he seems like a good businessman. I mean, his businesses are not, his businesses are very different from Twitter, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless, I, you know, I think it would be great to have him around. I think, uh, Jack Dorsey, who's still on the board, Mm-hmm. tweeted that he has wanted Elon on the board for a long time. Mm. So, but for some reason they did not want uh, Elon to have a voice on the board. So now do you think it could be because Elon is so unorthodox with his methods? I mean, just his marketing campaign has been just phenomenal because it's something that no company would ever think of doing. I mean, remember the cyber truck when he yeah. first unveiled the Cybertruck and he shot his Cybertruck and the whole window just shattered in front of the first unveiling. <laughs> I mean, that was a brilliant marketing. And, and it's something that no other car manufacturer will ever do to their own car to show that, oh, shoot, uh, we got to fix this now. Okay, we're going to go fix this. Here, you guys want to still buy it? It's still here. We only have 100,000 <laughs> of it or something. I mean, it's so unorthodox. And so do you believe that that the, the the board of directors on Twitter just doesn't understand the unorthodox method. I mean, Elon is like in the memes. You know, he's he's like deep rooted in the memes. Yeah, to so- me, to me, that argues for having him because exactly this is Twitter. This yeah. is like it's it, he's he's a native of of that. Um, yeah, even though he's unorthodox, it's like if if I was running Twitter, I would want that kind of unorthodoxy on my board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just yeah. Well, but I just had a thought, and I'm trying to catch that thought right now. My mind is <laughs> racing with this thing right now, so I'm trying to catch my thought. Um, hold on, hold on. I okay, I, I lost it. Damn! (laughs) 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 It it raced around your feet and then zipped out the door. Oh my gosh! Uh, This happens to me so often. This is why I have a notepad right here, trying to write these (laughs) stuff down before I lose them. Because I'm just thinking, well, okay, well, how about this? Say that you you are on the board and Elon's at your door knocking on it and saying, "Hey, I want to have a board board uh, seat." What if they feel threatened by that? Because once Elon gets onto the seat, now he has influence. And now he can use leverage through the memes, 
through through whatever marketing he's done to forcefully force the each and every board member out. So we're thinking very like political right here, right? So that he can get what he wants in terms of whatever it is that he wants to do. Twitter, right? Free speech, non-censorship, etc. Could that be a possibility where he's uh, trying to put in his team to replace the current board? Yeah, something like that could definitely be a possibility. And also, um, you know, it could be the case that maybe they haven't decided who would get replaced. Mm. So maybe there's three or four people on the board who are thinking if Elon shows up, it could be them, you know. Mm. <laughs> and so maybe all, all of them would want to vote against it. Mm. Um, yeah Hmm. that's interesting yeah because i really don't think it's like a free speech kind of thing because if that was the case then when bezos bought the washington post that should have been a huge uproar too um at least in my opinion yeah i i I agree yeah i mean i agree i agree well i mean i guess what i would say is i think bezos buying washington post maybe should have been a huge uproar yeah although at the same time it's like someone owns it you know mm-hmm. and whoever that is has power like the people mm-hmm. who own the new york times the Soulsburgers. Mm-hmm. um so i don't know it's you know there's kind of a debate that i've seen about some people um saying it's not political and some people saying it is political um there's a venture capitalist named Mark Andreessen who has been basically tweeting the whole day saying like tweeting things like um, Elon must not be allowed to impose his refusal to censor on us, Hmm. you know, kind of making jokes like that. Like um, I just woke up from an afternoon nap, had a terrible dream that there was free speech on the internet, (laughs) you know? So yeah, basically there's, there's some people who really think this is all about free speech and that this is really the, this is like a key moment in the fight of for free speech on the internet. Um, I'm kind of agnostic. I, I don't know. I think um, it, it is kind of interesting that, that Elon is going after Twitter in particular, like mm-hmm. as far as if it was purely for money, I would think he would want to be buying something else. <laughs> I really and, don't think it's for money. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, once he's the richest man in the world. Yeah. Or one of them. I, I don't know if he lost his seat yet, but he's the richest man. Of, why does he need more money? I mean, now, I really think, I really think this is a strategic play on his part. I mean, look at how he unveiled Tesla's it, like whole business model, right? He had phase one. He had phase two. He has phase three. I think he's on phase three now and phase four is about to get unveiled, right? Yeah. And I think a big, a big part of the goal of this move in his strategy, mm-hmm. the, the ultimate goal would be, I think, to get himself attention. You know, this yeah. is a, there's a big hubbub around this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that just draws attention. It, it, it makes the meme man even more of a meme man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but you know if, if he really wanted that much attention why not just buy the meme sites then go buy reddit or go buy like what's the other meme site i don't know <laughs> so it's well, like, see, would that be controversial right this is controversial ah okay how so 
because of uh, this whole free speech thing, right? I think he knew that uh, it would be interpreted as a free speech battle, okay. you know, as, because the people who are saying that tend to be VCs who I think are the kinds of people that he spends time with, right? Ah, I think okay. they probably, they probably, you know, on their lunchtime conversations, they're talking about they're concerned about censorship on the internet, right? About how the president was kicked off Twitter and, and they, you know, back 10, 15, 20 years ago when they were shaping the internet, I don't think they saw, I don't think they, they envisioned it working that way with a sort of, um, with it being censored with the ability of a company to kick the president off of Twitter, you know? Mm. So they're probably, I think the sort of VC types and the PayPal mafia are probably very weirded out by Twitter and Facebook and the way they kind of are doing these things. Now, is that speaking of Facebook, by the way, and Mark Andreessen, whose quotes, whose tweets I was just quoting, (laughs) he's on the board of Facebook. What? Um, I, yeah, it's, I haven't even thought about Facebook for the last two days, but I just realized like this whole censorship thing, um, I don't know what to say about that. It's just, it's very odd that there's no attention being paid to Facebook and there's all this attention being paid to Twitter right now. Hmm. So what is Facebook doing that you're noticing then? Because I'm not paying attention to Facebook. I mean, I, I, the last time I paid attention to it when it was when um, Mark Zuckerberg was first announcing the metaverse or the change, the name of Facebook to meta or something like that. Um, that's as much as I know. I'm very, I, I'm really under the rock on this stuff, guys. This I, I focus on other things that I'm more interested in. So this is interesting news to me. So share um, share what you know because I really don't don't know right now. Um, so off the top of my head, yeah, uh, I think of Facebook. There was um, a lot of controversy about political advertising on Facebook. Okay. And, um, so the, that whole privacy movement, right? The internet privacy thing that went to well, Congress. It, um, and also manipulation and like astroturfing, okay. trying to sway elections using Facebook. Like okay. when Trump won in 2016, there was this hubbub about uh, Russian disinformation using Facebook and um, and yeah, just Facebook advertising being used to manipulate people into voting for Trump or something. I think it was somewhat overstated, but Mm. um, it's definitely part of the political slash censorship conversation. Mm. Um, So if, if that was the case, then why don't we, Let's talk about the metaverse then, because if somehow censorship is going to play a role, whether, you know, Facebook controls it or the government or, you know, some private entity controls it, then what would that say about the business plan to build this metaverse, sell, I believe, plots of virtual land in the metaverse, NFTs regarding to the metaverse? Like, what's that whole landscape? Because this is something that we kind of envision a lot of sci-fi movies in the past. I mean, the matrix was like a big 
eye opener on this type of simulation uh, or world. And so is there a reason to be afraid of the metaverse or is there a reason to be excited about the metaverse? Like, what's your take on it? Um, I'm not too much into the crypto world either. And so uh, any experience from you, <laughs> let me know. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the first, one of the things I thought of, since we're talking about the context of censorship is, mm-hmm. um, is that I would be concerned about censorship in the metaverse. And I would also be concerned about asset ownership in the metaverse mm. because, um, so when Bitcoin was invented, they invented the blockchain Mm-hmm. And the goal of that whole system was uh, censorship resistance. That was one of the most important goals. So if uh, you send me a Bitcoin transaction, it's unstoppable. You know, mm-hmm. even the most powerful people in the world, the United States government can't stop a Bitcoin transaction. Mm-hmm. And that is the reason why we have all these miners spending energy and all this effort has been putting in put into this blockchain to make it unstoppable. Mm -hmm. A lot of other blockchain systems and crypto systems are not unstoppable. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of them are subject to laws. A lot of them are run by like Ethereum is run by a foundation. And in the past, Ethereum did in fact roll back their blockchain. A bunch of money was stolen and they said, you know what, we're going to roll it back and get, take the stolen money back. Mm-hmm. And um, so going forward in the metaverse, if people are buying NFTs and buying plots of land in the metaverse, I do wonder if it could just be taken, you know, who mm-hmm. like who... It would it would essentially be it would be run by someone, right? Mm. In some cases, it may be run by Facebook themselves, or maybe run by Ethereum, which is run by a foundation or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I think of is that is that there probably will be censorship in the metaverse, and honestly, a lot of the metaverse probably will not be really connected to the blockchain. It'll probably be just like on Facebook servers, mm. and if they censor something, they could just take it off, you know, with the push of a button. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if that was the case, then wouldn't, wouldn't the idea of the metaverse be very, I don't know, shaky? I mean, if you're going to build so much time, like a Minecraft server, if you're going to build so much time on your masterpiece in a virtual world, and, and I relate this to Minecraft because, you know, you, you see a lot of architectural you know, uh, amazements in in the game of Minecraft. But if there was a push of a button and your whole world gets deleted, I mean, I would be pretty pissed off that I spent X number of hours, you know, 100, 200, 500, you know, 1,000 hours on, on a specific work. I've invested this much time, this much money into a plot of land in this virtual world, and then it's all erased. I mean... How does that 
promote the idea of a metaverse being like a, a real good you know, uh, unexplored region where there's infinite potential kind of thing. I mean, at least that's what I'm feeling, how Facebook is advertising that, right? It, it's yeah. like this uncharted plot of land, like, you know, the new gold rush, so to speak. Yeah. And so I, it's like, if there's regulations or if there's censorship and push a button, I think it's a race, then I, I don't see how this is a a thing but then again there's a lot of a lot of on the flip side of the coin there's a lot of people gamers um that buy you know virtually made decorative items on on their character and they're willing willing to decorate their character because it is it, it's fun it's it's awesome it's it's a sign of hey i've done an achievement right here or if i purchased this thing and this is the only copy available so i do see the opposite side of the coin and I'm just trying to comprehend, is the benefit better than than the opposite, you know? Yeah, I think the, I think the way Facebook sees it is they, that the benefit would be more than the negatives. Mm-hmm. And the idea would be that they would try to censor as little as possible, basically, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people would be on there doing things that are just fun and not really hurting anyone. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them would never come in contact with censorship. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you would get, uh, you know, there were some people would be trolls. Some mm-hmm. people would have uh, political opinions that Facebook doesn't like. Mm-hmm. They can get kicked off and they would, you know, be angry about it and protest and, and tweet their anger on Twitter. But if it, that doesn't get through to most people on the platform, then most of them won't care. And they'll just mm. happily continue on having fun in the metaverse. Mm. That's the idea. Now, of course, if you know, it, that could get away from you, you mm. could have all of a sudden a, a situation where everyone gets mad. Potentially, you never know, but I, something that actually just popped up in my mind, and I don't mean to change the subject too much where we're still in the same subject. But I remember reading earlier this week that Mark Zuckerberg, um, and this is just on the on, on the news itself. I, I just remember reading it that Mark Zuckerberg is planning to enact a fifty percent fee in the metaverse. So for a, oh. any transaction that's been done inside the metaverse, fifty percent of that transaction goes to Meta. Let me see. Let, let, let me see if that's an actual. I, I I remember reading about it, um, earlier this week, and I just want to make sure that I am informed correctly because I, you know, you never know. Um, but I'm pretty sure that that was something that was a talk. Uh, forty-seven point five percent. Is it forty-seven point five percent? Yeah, so nearly fifty okay. percent cut on virtual asset sales in the metaverse. Okay. Wow, so I, I, I saw that, and then I was almost—I almost didn't believe it. I was like, "Okay, no, that can't be real." But I think it is real. Well, which I is mean, astounding. I read it in the news, and you just confirmed it because I'm looking for it again. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I read so much every single day, and so it, it's like I—I I can't keep track of how many articles I, I've read over 
And again, I don't pay attention to Facebook too much, but this was on like the general news, you know, Apple news kind of thing where it updates. And, and I just saw that in passing. And so is that a good business move? Is, is this I something? I don't think so. <laughs> right. I, that's, that's yeah. I don't, how are they going to get everyone to give 47 gonna, point? Yeah. yeah who's going to be using this? So, so they're competing. You know, I think partly they're competing with um, like gaming platforms, right? Yeah. And uh, they're not going to win like that, you know? I mean, well, the idea (laughs) is how many people are on the metaverse? Like, yeah. If, 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 if the trend, okay, and I don't know the trend right now, but if the trend is going towards, hey, I want to live in a virtual reality, you know, my whole life is internet. But, you know, the, uh, I'm on meta, but every transaction I make, 50% of it, approximately 50% of it goes out the door. I mean, if we look at companies today, like Etsy, Netflix, uh, or any subscription-based companies, or any sales company like Amazon, eBay, whatever, the transaction fees, at least to the business owner, the small-time business owner, is is rising. And the small business owner cannot make a good margin on profit. I mean, if we're expected to live, and we're expected to, you know, grow a business, we, we do need that extra income to invest back into our business or to, you know, pay for things that we need, like food, water, uh, rent. And if we if we don't, if, if these businesses are, are raising their fees and chopping our fees out, then what's the whole point of Meta being at 50%? And again, the fees, I don't know what the fees are for Etsy and, and Amazon and all of that. But I, I'm I'm like it, it can't be fifty percent. Otherwise, no one will be on that platform to try to sell anything, right? Yeah, yeah. Does the the fees just seem crazy? I mean, it, mm-hmm. <laughs> so like who that? I, I almost wonder. Like, if that was the only online world, then I think people would be driven out of it back into the real world. Like, yeah. Oh, I can. I can go into this metaverse where I'm just having tons of money sucked out of my pocket all the time, yeah. or I can go into the real world where I put a dollar bill in my pocket and it's still a dollar bill when I get to the store, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, taxes will take out about 20% depending on where yeah. you are, but you know, taxes, 8%, 8% yeah. sales tax kind of thing, you well, know, but I'll, yeah, it's, it depends <laughs> on how much you earn as well, as far as yeah. income tax. Um, yeah, so fifty percent of asset sales—that's just yeah, it's, it's very crazy. strange. So, if anyone wants to sell an NFT on the Meta, which is a virtual asset, to my understanding, fifty mm-hmm. percent of that revenue goes goes to Meta. Yeah, apparently, and, and that, so it, yeah, it's like. That that is a huge chunk of revenue going out, and just in terms of a business owner, I, I get that Meta's a platform. I get it. I I get that this is potentially a new place where the mass is gonna start shopping. But as a business owner, I I cannot think about. I, I don't know if I would even try to open up a better store if 50% of my profits are going to, or 50% of my revenue, and this is pre-tax and everything, 50% of my revenue 
goes to 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 the platform itself. So now think of this. Okay. A lot of people who would buy an asset in the metaverse, mm-hmm. just like anything you buy, part of the value is knowing that you can resell it, right? Okay. So I I buy a an NFT for a hundred dollars. Okay. You know, fifty percent goes to Facebook, fifty percent goes to the person I'm buying it from. Okay. I then let's say a week later I want to sell it. Okay. I want I paid a hundred dollars for it, but okay. I'm gonna get fifty. Right? Okay. So it's like I view that as markets, the entire NFT market being just completely destroyed and vaporized, right? Like look at a stock market or a the market for anything. You buy something, you turn around and sell it for a, maybe a similar price. Maybe there's depreciation mm-hmm. or maybe you, you know, haggle for whatever reason you can sell it for more or maybe you're willing to sell for less. But it, to buy something and then immediately know that you can if you want to sell it, mm-hmm. it is you will get half as much money. How, like, how's that going to be a thriving market, right? The, and that's part of the whole selling point of, of NFTs is that like, oh, people are going to pass them around and, and sell and buy and we'll all be selling and buying NFTs. It's like, not if you pay 50% on all of them then they're all just gonna like a person who wants to buy something will ask themselves do i want to buy this and keep it forever yeah if the answer is no then i'm not gonna buy it well you know now we're gonna get into the discussion of just nfts in general because say that there were no fees right and Mm -hmm. this is this is why i'm still I'm scratching my head on this. I get the potential of NFTs. I get that they're on the blockchain. I get that you can do promotional events with NFTs. Say that if a person bought a ticket that's based on an NFT 10 years ago, then you can invite that same customer back with this promotion. They just have to show you the NFT and they get a discount on this new product. I get it. Or you want to invite them to like a members only uh, type of you know gala gathering, right? Mm-hmm. I get that. So I I get the potential, but the idea of NFTs in general, where you're buying and selling, and then ho- when you sell, you hope to make more. That just sounds like, well, one, it's a zero sum game because no one's winning or losing. There's always a winner and a loser to the transaction. Number two, there's nothing in my opinion, productive in terms of the asset itself. Now, there's a potential for it to be used further later on, but it as the asset by itself, just the image that you purchase using an NFT or the ticket that you bought using the NFT, it doesn't produce much, if anything at all. It's not like an actual business where you're purchasing an asset and it can produce a cash flow, Right. So we're all we're all speaking in a potential world now when you purchase an NFT. And so the idea is that if the way that if you're trying to get money rich off of NFTs, you have to sell it for a higher cost. It's like any commodity. You got to sell it for a higher cost and you can only get the money if someone's willing to purchase it. Right. So like you said, eventually something's going to pop. 
you might buy, and this is what I just saw, you might buy the first ever NFT of Twitter's first tweet for $2.8 million, and a year later, it might be worth $280. You know? Mm-hmm. So the NFT, I, I, I'm still scratching my head on it. Like, yeah, the future of of NFTs is is uncertain. It was yeah. there was definitely something faddish about it. Um, and, but and don't get I, me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I don't think NFTs are going to go away. I really don't. I I, I yeah. see the potential in the tools. Right. I, I just like with blockchain, I see the potential in blockchain and, and I think it's a really good move towards, you know, having a solid program that can confirm that this is truly what's written in the books kind of thing. Not meaning to interrupt, but yeah. Um, I'm yeah, I don't I don't it's it's really hard to say what's mm-hmm. going to happen. I do wonder if NFTs could actually kind of go away mm-hmm. because well, no, I think the idea I think especially when it comes to like how they say you can get into a a meeting like if you buy a one of the board apes and then they'll have like a a party that only people can go to. Mm-hmm. Um like your I first that, ever 100 think, customers. Yeah. Like I get that. Like say that we we build an NFT and our first 100 listeners of the podcast theoretically, you know, gets like beginners NFT or 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 something like that, then you know, you want you want to cherish those first 100 because that's what helped you grow your business so to speak. And and again, this is all hypothetical. So Sorry for interrupting again, but go on. So I, I just had to say that. So <laughs> no, I just um, I don't know. I'm I am skeptical of okay. the value of NFTs going forward. Okay, I mean I don't know. I just I'm not that. Uh, I was never really hyped about NFTs. I when I think of cryptocurrency and cryptography, I think of. Uh, other things i think uh, of you know uh decentralized social media i think of um you know maybe we'll have a replacement for email in the future okay. you know i mean as an it guy i'm just thinking of uh decentralizing the internet and as far as cryptocurrencies i'm really only bullish on bitcoin okay i think the rest of them are just kind of wanting to take the idea of Bitcoin and expand it into something that makes it less useful. Like I think Bitcoin is the best use of blockchain. Okay. Um, um, NFTs. Yeah. I don't know. I I do not plan on buying any. I don't. I, I think a lot of it has to do with the faddish, like the, a lot of it has to do with the fad. A lot of it has to do with sort of, um, clout you know Mm. like the idea that i can go to an exclusive party with my nft really plays into the social idea of social Mm -hmm. status right Mm -hmm. but getting the nft confers me social status Mm -hmm. and when it was a big fad you know that's when it conferred maximum social status and i think Mm -hmm. it may continue to do that but i think generally the social status game 
is constantly jumping from thing to thing. Mm. And I think what makes it stick is when something is expensive and it's like genuinely expensive in a way that's not going to make it inexpensive, like a nice watch, like Mm. having a Rolex is a high status thing. And that's not just going to go away. Rolex are handmade Mm -hmm. watches in Switzerland and they're very nice and they're unique. And you can tell when someone has one and that's not going to go away. It's not like Rolex is going to start producing a million watches a day, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, with, with NFTs, it's like, Oh, here's a new exclusive thing that confers me status for now. Right. Mm -hmm. But then if the, if the bubble sort of deflates, then suddenly no one cares. And like you said, you have uh, you buy an NFT of Jack Dorsey's first tweet for X dollars, and now it's worth way, way, way less. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anything can really be done by that. Maybe NFTs will have a resurgence in the future, but I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I have, I have no clue. So... Well, anyways, I think that uh, this this is going to be it for the first podcast. We've been talking for quite a while. We went yeah. through so many so many conversations today. I love it. <laughs> we did. So, I guess uh, we're going to say goodbye to our uh, potential listeners since this is a pilot. And um, yeah, any, any out, outro outro that you want to do, Sean? Um. No, just you know, keep, <laughs> everybody. Uh, keep keep learning and questioning, and stay skeptical. Stay skeptical. Awesome. All right. So, take care, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>